The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the Next Generation episode, Booby Trap. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hey, Father Corey. How's it going? Folks, be sure to stick around to the end of the episode. We have some more of your great listener feedback. And I want to uh, encourage you to get your very own Secrets of Star Trek t-shirt or phone case or uh, what else you get? Hats, uh, the other things like that by visiting sqpn.com slash merch. And I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. It's not just a show. It's the Divine Office and Liturgy of the Hours of the Catholic Church called Pray Station Portable. It's a great way to pray every day. And you can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash PSP. So, Jimmy, can you give us a recap of Booby Trap? This week, we get yet another exploration of Geordi's girl problems. He just can't be successful with a girl unless he meets one who's a holodeck character. That happens after the Enterprise enters a ridiculously overstuffed asteroid field where a battle was fought a thousand years ago by two extinct races. It turns out that the asteroid field is a booby trap, and we have a title! The trap consists of hundreds of thousands of devices that suck energy out of ships, preventing them from moving, and then turn that energy into radiation to try to fry their crews. With the Enterprise losing energy and its shields about to go down, Geordi goes to the holodeck and calls up a program of the Utopia Planitia shipyard where the Enterprise was built. He also inadvertently calls up a hologram of one of the designers of the ship's engines, the attractive Dr. Leia Brahms. (laughs) The two of them then team up to figure out how to escape the booby trap, and they start falling in love. They come up with a way that might work. It involves letting the computer make hundreds of thousands of adjustments in the ship's course on the level of microseconds, but Picard doesn't want to take doesn't want to turn control of the ship over to a computer because humans are such better and safer pilots than computers. <laughs> Geordi then comes up with a plan to generate one big microsecond burst of thrust to get inertia and then shut everything down and use the thrusters to navigate out of the ridiculously overstuffed asteroid field. Picard himself does the thruster piloting since he's the main hero of the show, <laughs> and they escape the field. As we close, Geordi and the hologram share a kiss, and he shuts down the holodeck program. The end. Yeah, just in case you weren't aware that Picard is the hero of the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Father Carr, your impressions of this one? This is one of these episodes, I like two-thirds of it. One-third of it I could do without, and if they have cut that part out, it would be great. You know, the, the idea of this, you know, that there's there's this trap that ships can come into, and it can suck the energy, and, you know, okay, I mean— with the understanding that, yes, in the Star Trek universe, you can pull energy across open space. Okay, we got that. And that it can turn Aris- into radiation. Aristotle is not going to be happy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, that's that's a very plausible thing. You know, we, we see things like that on Earth where there are traps that are set for enemy combatants. 
So it's understandable. And this idea that you have to use the inertia of the ship because other, any energy you expend is going to get used against you. I mean, again, that, that's, that's plausible. I, I, I like the way they kind of played all that out. The whole thing with Jordy, with all the women issues and the whole thing with Leah Brahms, if they had cut all that out, was just Jordy was in there long enough to say, hey, we could, oh, the guys down in engineering came up with this solution. Great. Do it. Right. Much better right. episode. Okay. How about you, Jimmy? What do you think of this one? I thought it was a little boring and paint by numbers, but, you know, it was okay. Um, it was nice that the holodeck didn't break for once. This is a, <laughs> one of the few holodeck episodes where the holodeck, it, pl- it plays an important role in the story, but doesn't break. To me, the most interesting thing about this episode, I, now, I agree with Father Corey. I think the booby trap itself is interesting. Um, I don't, since this is a third season script, it's not executed as well as they would have done it in later seasons. But the booby trap concept here is interesting. And the solution they use is reasonable. Um, to me, the most interesting thing about the episode is Leia Brahms once he gives her a personality. Mm-hmm. But it, it goes a little far. In I mean, later on in the in next gen, we're going to get an episode where the actual Leia Brahm shows up. Yeah. And, and <laughs> wow, are she and Jordy not going to initially get along because she is yeah. married and mm-hmm. does not like Jordy creeping on her digital image. Yeah. And, <laughs> and and she watches some of the holodeck footage of of her her virtual self saying that. You know, uh, every time you you look at this engine, you're looking at me. <laughs> every time you yeah. t- you touch it, it's me. Yeah, and and she gets justly, lividly outraged by that, <laughs> and and so it's like, yeah, that's kind of over the top dialogue. Um, the the computer said that that this construct of Leia Brahms would have a nine percent personality error rate, mm-hmm. but Wow. <laughs> it was wrong. <laughs> um, but despite the fact they, they go too far, I like the Leah Brahms with a personality character mm-hmm. in this. And I like the idea of reconstructing an actual person to use them as a, a sounding board for ideas and a colleague, you know. This is mm-hmm. this is one way this this makes some sense to me, you know, it's like if we had that technology, yeah, we'd use it that way. And so I like the Leia Brahms character. What I don't like is um it's it's a little boring. It's pretty paint by numbers. I find the Jordy on a date stuff at the beginning where he's in the holodeck totally cringeworthy. Yep. I agree with LeVar Burton that, you know, he insisted for coming back for season three of Picard that they make him an established family man, implying that he's got girl skills. Because, <laughs> yeah. wow, in multiple episodes of Next Gen, he has a loser love life. Well, they um, do this to Harry Kim in Voyager, too, right? I mean, this yeah, seems to yeah. be a pattern that they like to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't like that. And I really hate the whole we must use a human rather than a computer to get out of this that's just the stupidest thing in the world well, for reasons we can talk about yeah yep. yeah uh, well yeah we'll we'll get to all those things cuz i want to talk about them all too um uh 
I'm not going to repeat you guys because you you pretty much said what I thought about this episode as well. So let's get get into the into the nitty gritty of it. Um, yes, the the holodeck date establishing that Jordy is bad with women. Um, it's very that, cringy. It's, that's at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, it's the yeah. first. It's the opening sequence. Uh, well, there is one bit of um, uh, the trivia in there, which is that the gypsy vi- violinist that he mm-hmm. uh, calls up is playing Hungarian dance number five by. Johannes Brahms, a play on mm. Leah Brahms's mm-hmm. name. So I just, that had to have been thrown in there. But uh, yeah, I, I was uh, okay. So two things about him call, have programming because this was a pro. He he set up this program. Yeah, yep. he and he and his date are on a beach, and he snaps his fingers, and this gypsy violinist appears and starts serenading them. Two things: he's playing Hungarian Rhapsody. And it's like that is not a beach tune, you know. <laughs> it, it, um, it, you want to if you're if you're going if your date is on a beach, you need the Beach Boys or yeah. at least luau music or something. Mm. You don't want Hungarian Rhapsody. Then there's the other fact, which is everybody hates strolling gypsy violinists. I don't, I don't know if you've ever been in a restaurant in Italy, but they are not allowed to keep them out. And right. legally, they have to let them in. And the, the violinists go around to people's tables and play music at them to annoy them enough to give them money to go away. Everybody <laughs> hates this. This is not a romantic thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah it it is it was yeah like have a, a a string quartet in the bushes off screen or just play music uh, yeah you know, on the, over the, the speaker air. system yeah like <laughs> he just be well as guinan tells him you're trying too hard and that's what it is is, is mm-hmm. jordy is just trying too hard and i suppose i mean i've i've met I've met guys who try too hard. They they go over the top on on a first date and that sort of thing. But he totally gets the it's not you, it's me. I I, I just want to be friends. You know, welcome to the friend zone. Uh, speech from Christy Kenshaw is the well is his date. And the idea that that Jordy is not cool is like, come on, really? We know Jordy he would is. Be cool. Yeah, Jordy Jordy's would absolutely cool. be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's no real Riker, I, I, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I did like his conversation with Guinan, though. So you're a woman, right? And she just kind of <laughs> smirks. It's like, last I Gee. checked. You know? <laughs> no wonder you're terrible with women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she likes bald men. And uh, that's, yeah, oh, she explains. And, and, and that was interesting because and he asks her why. And she because he says, what's the first thing you look at for a man? You know, what's the first thing that? interest you his head oh yeah his mind of course no his head i'm attracted to bald men (laughs) and he's why as well let's just say a bald man was kind to me once when i was hurting and okay i don't think this was intentional Mm -hmm. but that's setting us up for in hind in retro there in later retcons the bald man that was kind to her was picard time zero though I I feel like that might have they 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 early on set like there is a rela- a connection a long standing connection between Picard and Guinan so I wouldn't be surprised if that was I I, it, I have a may, feeling may that I have a yeah. feeling that the actual episode where they go back to San Francisco in the 1800s that's not what they were referring to when they wrote this episode not the literal but yeah. 
but yeah. you know they you know they did say i mean but again that could have been you know when he was an ensign or something like that too you know i mean not yeah. just the time travel but they they obviously played it off pretty spectacularly by having him going back in time yeah yeah um uh, jimmy you mentioned that this is yet another overly dense two regular asteroid field on mm-hmm. in space just uh, like the, all of them in tv and mm-hmm. movies Yes, yes, they're all way too. Um, what you need is a big sonic charge, like you do in Star Wars, right? Because sound carries yeah. in space. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just, it was on my mind. Um, the uh, we have another thousand year old battlefield. Which, this kind of calls to mind uh, the short trek Calypso and the thousand year old uh, Discovery. Uh, you know, the USS Discovery that we got in that. So it, it was kind of interesting um, that that calls back to this in some ways for me. Um, well, and, but, and the idea too that they they put it in Earth time by saying this is when they're developing clocks for the first time, right? Which I, I right. never studied, you know, when clock making developed, but I I would guess it'd be about the 1300s or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you yeah. started having mechanical clocks at that point. Yeah, yep, right, right. There were water clocks before, but yeah, the uh, Permelian battle cruiser is intact. But I'm curious what we never get an idea of what killed everyone aboard. They just this ship just happens to be there um, as a was trap the radiation that the, the the captain's i thought the captain's log kind of said that that the radio it was the radiation oh. from the field because the the these in con, I these the power converters would oh, yeah okay. no these power converters would take the energy and create radiation mm-hmm. and that's okay. what killed the crew mm-hmm. there's a so we, we're also getting like picard as the archaeologist you know his uh his hobby is archaeology and so we get we're, we're getting that development here i i don't know that that was established at this point yet but yeah he's he you can see how his interest in archaeology grows through this episode i thought that was um wasn't the rise episode in season two maybe not i i get my seasons i'm not good at keeping track of when things were um (laughs) but uh there is a whole thing about um picard talking about ships and bottles and apparently uh, Mm -hmm. building ship and ships in a bottle came back in the 24th century for boys mm-hmm. because Picard says, didn't you do this but as these, a boy? But these were airships now that right. they would yeah. build. These weren't, you know, the big water, double master, four masted ships. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. I, I did like the, on when they're in the transporter room, he's just been talking to, to, to Riker about this and Riker never bit, built ships in a bottle when he was a kid. So Picard has been referring to the alien ship they're about to go to as being in a bottle meaning mm-hmm. preserved, unaltered in a thousand years. And and Riker doesn't get the reference to a ship in a bottle, so Picard has to explain. And then they go into the transporter room, Picard reuses the metaphor, and it, and he gets no reaction from the crowd. And right. And Data and Worf are there and, <laughs> on the transporter pad, and Picard says, didn't, didn't anybody play with ships with, with ships in bottles when you were a boy? And and Worf says, I did not play with toys. And Data says, I was never a boy. <laughs> and it's like the best line in the show, yeah. best pair of lines. And then Miles O'Brien, who's the transporter chief at this point, comes to Picard's defense and says, well, I did, sir. And when they beam out, Riker looks at him kind of funny. Like, and, and he says, hey, ships and bottles, loads of fun. Yeah, that, I did. That was I swear. That was <laughs> the funny thing. Like, Riker gives him this look, like, "Oh, you suck it up to the captain." He's like, "No, no, I really did build ships and bottles. That was so fun." There's apparently an outtake where uh, Michael Dorn. Uh, I said I wasn't going to say this, Father Corey, but I'm going to say it anyway. But oh, uh, that's Michael, fine. Michael Dorn uh, flubbed the line 
instead of saying I did not play with toys, he said I did not play with boys, and then everybody cracks up laughing uh, in, yeah. on the. So yeah, like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, though that, those are good, like I never I did not play with toys. I was never a boy. That's okay. Yeah. I'll get my radioactive gloves on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's a Doctor Who reference to a blown mm-hmm. line by William Hartnell. Instead of saying radioactive drugs he said radioactive gloves oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah william hartnell <laughs> with his fluffs yes lots of those yep uh so talking about the jordy situation here so the, the the trap gets activated and all that uh and then jordy his solution to why doesn't the sh- why can't the ship do this thing i wanted to do he never he has never before and will never again create a holodeck simulation of the dis- building of the ship to solve a technical problem. It is, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't make like, why would he decide that this is the thing to do? It doesn't make any sense. Also they're ignoring, they spend so long getting to the ultimate solution because mm-hmm. as soon as, as soon as they announce the trap, I have in my, and how it works, I announce in my trap, I have in my notes, use chemical thrusters to move. Right. Right. Because that's yeah, a, it, that's the obvious solution, and they end up doing it, right? And they they right. they go for the Tim the Toolman Taylor solution: more power, more <laughs> power. Right, right. Yeah. So instead, what we have is Jordy creates a holodeck version of the ideal woman, a personification of the ship he loves, which reminds me of the the Doctor's wife. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Doctor Who references, when the TARDIS gets personified in in a woman, mm-hmm. um, and you know you why so, but he ends up like are they get in these debates and arguments but this this whatever this is this the creation of leah brahms only knows what's already in the database like it's mm-hmm. right. it's not, it can't come up with anything new so why like just look well, at the was, well it can't come up any with anything that's not in well okay so there is actually a problem here the problem is he's calling on her design logs mm-hmm. and there's the design logs just say what they say. So you can't use design logs for creative thinking. The computer can do creative thinking, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and try to extrapolate things that might be of use to the human user. And in that, from that perspective, it wouldn't be a problem to say, I want an interface to more Mm -hmm. easily talk to the computer. But really what you're doing is you're talking to the computer. Right. I guess it's yeah, this, this was, GPT. Yeah, well, I was going to say, <laughs> right? this, this, was, this would be the equivalent of using your you know, Google Assistant or Siri or whatever tied into Wikipedia and just asking it questions off of Wikipedia, and yeah. it's responding. That's all it was right. doing originally. But then, he, yeah, like you said, you brought in ChatGPT, mix it in there so it could kind of think about it a little bit, although hopefully more advanced than ChatGPT, because ChatGPT <laughs> really doesn't do critical thinking. Right. It just yeah. says, what's the next word that would fit here? Yeah. ChatGPT yeah. doesn't even understand what it's saying. Correct. Right. Um, I, in one of my parapsychology classes, we had an assignment to use ChatGPT to make accounts of paranormal experiences. And so mm. everyone in class used ChatGPT to do that. And then we compared the paranormal experiences, and we all instantly agreed chat gpt is lousy at this Mm -hmm. yeah because it it wants to give everything a breathless just imagine ending that's super significant which is not how real paranormal experiences are but in in one of them with a woman had a one of the fellow classmates had assigned a 
had assigned ChatGPT to write a paranormal encounter about a ghost in the style of Mary Shelley. And so it, mm. came, it came up with a like short, just a few paragraphs of this like town in England and a ghost um, appeared to the people and floated through the public square. And it clearly did not understand what it was saying because <laughs> at one point it describes the apparition as dark. And at another point, it describes the apparition as glowing. So which right. is it? Is it dark or <laughs> is it glowing? Well, it, it then passed through the village square, cementing the place of the town in paranormal history forever. Yeah, a ghost goes through your town. <laughs> that's going to cement your place in history forever. Okay. Yeah, well, for, yeah. first it was it was a black first it was a black light ghost. So it was a it was a, a darkly glowing ghost. Um, <laughs> But, you know, and Dom's pointed this out before when he had ChatGPT give his bio. Oh, yeah. ChatGPT, current AI models will do what's called hallucination. They call mm -hmm. it AI hallucination, where it will just start making stuff up. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, you yeah. Know? And, and so it's, it's not uh, reliable for anything like that. But, th I mean, so yeah. that's Leah Brom, the Leah Brahms model in this episode is far beyond ChatGPT. This must be ChatGPT ver version 100, maybe? <laughs> and that's the thing is, is, you know, sometimes as human beings, we, I think it helps to sometimes have a conversation, even if with, if you're having a conversation about a technical topic with someone who doesn't know the topic, sometimes that process of just having a conversation or a dialogue mm -hmm. with someone can create a creative moment in your own mind where you find a solution. Um, you know, I, I spouses, Almost. couples have done this many <laughs> for many yeah. decades and centuries. And and if in effect that's what happens with Jordy because Leah yeah. has this one solution the holographic Leah has this one solution she's locked in on and mm -hmm. she's not thinking outside the box at that point but that sparks Jordy of like let's turn this around and look at it another way mm -hmm. yeah yeah and some of us some of us there's that we need to work through problems by talking about them you know some yeah. people can just think about it or you know do tests or whatever but some of us just need to talk about the problem yeah. and figure it out. And right. some of us just right from the first moment say use chemical thrusters to maneuver. <laughs> <laughs> the solution's right there, Jordy. Uh, I did like the fact that when Picard walked in on his hollow program, he looked really guilty, like he'd been caught like doing something he oughtn't do. Like he like he knew that this was kind of sketchy. Because it really is kind of sketchy using well, well, a real person. The creeping your, honor is 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 yeah. the sketchy part, and that's what yeah. he's feeling guilty about. But mm -hmm. just saying, yeah, this is one of the designers of the Enterprise. I created a replicant to assist me in thinking this problem through. There's nothing sketchy about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I like in, Picard's not in an expression. emergency situation. Yeah, yeah. Picard, Picard says, "Oh, okay," or he just kind of has that expression of, "Yeah, this is just to work through the problem." Uh huh. <laughs> but he doesn't say anything. He just okay and just leaves. <laughs> if if Leah Brahms had been Leo Brahms, a you know sixty year old uh, you know uh, a man, you know, I mean, it would have been a whole different thing. I think uh, would it would yeah. have felt well, different. Yeah, and uh, Picard is too quick. I mean, it, I understand why Jordy, since he's having romantic feelings for this hologram, I understand why he's feeling guilty when Picard walks in. Um, but and and I guess that's what it's Jordy's guiltiness that sets Picard off. I assume because mm -hmm. Picard would not have a reason to be suspicious. He might be curious. Who is this person right. that I don't recognize from the crew? But he sh he wouldn't be suspicious or disapproving. 
but he he goes along with it and like okay Jordy whatever you're just get me an answer you know mm-hmm. um but then later on and this is this is another writing flaw in the show as we're getting down to like the shields have failed we've got fatal exposure in 26 minutes which is ridiculously precise so you're going to hit fatal exposure at different times for different people yep and you're going to have different treatments available for different people at different times um but all of, he's in his ready room and and they're in this dire situation and all of a sudden, Picard decides to start talking to Riker about how he missed out on building ships in a bottle when he was a kid. And it's like, <laughs> dude, you're less than 26 minutes away from everyone dying. Is this yes. the moment to talk about childhood experiences and philosophy and what should have happened in your life in your broken home, Mr. Riker? <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and by the way, yeah. And should we mention, too, the fact that, let's remember, the Enterprise has kids on board. Their uh-huh. lethal exposure is going to be much faster than the, and, the adult, in yeah. adults in good health and everything you'd find in Starfleet. Maybe it's, you know, lethal, lethal exposure for the most vulnerable aboard or whatever. But, yeah, you can retcon it, but it is way too precise, as Jimmy says. It's way too. Um, so let's talk about the computer thing. Um, Jordy wants to turn total control over to the computer and Picard and Riker have their misgivings. Here's the line. Riker says, computers have always impressed me with their ability to take orders. I'm not nearly as convinced of their ability to creatively give them. Uh, There's a computer Uh. sitting right there. Data. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have three notes um, on this after, uh, after they embark on this discussion. Number one, deflectors question mark number two impulse dampeners question or inertial dampers question mark and number three data question mark (laughs) um because they their ship relies on deflectors to nudge out of the way micrometeorites and stuff like that so that they Mm -hmm. don't smack into the ship and cause massive damage at those velocities so you're already letting the computer make microsecond level decisions about stuff um inertial damper dampeners that's what this has to happen on the microsecond level if you are flying along at some high velocity and you've got to change the direction of the ship you need to use artificial gravity to counterbalance those effects or everyone is going to be flattened on a wall instantly Mm -hmm. You are paced. <laughs> you yeah. are already le- letting the computer make life or death microsecond level decisions in order to yeah. run the inertial dampeners. And then you've got Mr. Data. You've given him the rank of lieutenant commander at this point. He can right. give orders perfectly well, and you're fine with that. Yep. And literally everything on board the ship is mediated through a computer. Like it's just yeah. everything is done is computer. It's, so what we have is early 80s you know, view of computer technology well, where they don't quite get, you know. Well, that. and let's let's be honest, though. This is still an argument today with self-driving cars. You know, in theory, if it's programmed properly, yes. Tesla hasn't exactly shown itself to be stellar in that field. Good, <laughs> but not stellar. Um, the self-driving car should be able to drive 100 times better than humans because it can get so much more data so much more quickly, make decisions so much more quickly and so much more precisely. Yeah. Ultimately, self-driving cars will be much safer than human drivers. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Although the ethical subroutines is still the open question. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so that again, that's this is, this is one tech. of the areas yeah. where Tesla has fallen down. Let's just put it. Yeah. That way. yeah. Um, but so Jordy then, because of their misgivings, they turn it all around and it becomes about the human factor. Um, where, like you said, Jimmy, they'll use the chemical, the chemical thrusters. Um, I, I have to mention that there is one uh, uh, visual effects error, which is all the power on the ship is supposed to be off. Mm-hmm. And the external shots of the Enterprise of this, everything's on, deflector shield, everything's, <laughs> all the lights are on in every well, window. Even, even, on, even on the bridge, turn off all systems. Well, we still have sensors. We still have, you know, helm <laughs> yeah. and navigation. We still have that. that right. That, yeah. Yeah. They just really, what they meant is hit the dimmer switch. Yep. Yes. <laughs> right. Uh, I did like the uh, the slingshot maneuver at the end. Of that. Yeah, that was, very, that was nice. Handy. Where they're so they're on their way navigating out of the ridiculously overstuffed asteroid field, and data announces that they have lost their they their momentum is decreasing because of the number of maneuvers they've made to the point they're not going to be able to get out. Mm-hmm. And Picard ignores that, and then points the Enterprise at a one of the larger asteroids and then slingshots around it to gain momentum through what's yep. called the slingshot maneuver. And there's actually a nice shot of the Enterprise rotating, mm. you know, generating yaw yep. as it's slingshotting around this asteroid, which is, it's a nice shot and it communicates what they're doing and they get enough without having to have a big laborious explanation. Right. You know, data has a line about, Oh, you're using the asteroids gravity to pick up momentum. And it's like, yeah, Yeah. Uh, he he effectively drifts the enterprise around the asteroid. (laughs) That's what it looks like. Like you see a drift car where the back end cuts out. That's exactly what he did. Fast and furious. And and that's Starfleet drift. (laughs) And that's, that's fine for a spaceship in space, but for an aircraft in air, yaw is the most dangerous maneuver. Mm -hmm. Pitch and roll. Not a problem. Yaw disaster. (laughs) Don't do that. Flat spin. We we saw that in to- Top Gun. Uh, flat spins are bad. <laughs> so uh, you know, once everything is fixed and we're back to you know safe space, um, we have this final scene of Jordy and uh, Hollow Leah in the, uh, the 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 holodeck, and um, so we have this cringy, suggestive farewell of the every time you 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 touch this engine, you're touching me, and I'm like, ew! Like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, what it's, human being would say that, especially? <laughs> You've known this guy for what an hour? Yeah, it was very weird. Well, and that, even when she first appears, she acts like, "Well, oh come on, Jordy, you, you don't need to. You know, you've known me. You don't need to be like this." Like right off the bat. I, well, I could kind of accept. I mean, once he gives her a personality, because initially yeah, she's just yeah, yeah. deadpan, yeah, but then right. she gives her personality, and she, she, I could see her doing that because this is a crisis situation, and she knows the situation. You know, he yeah. doesn't have to tell her what's going on. She knows the situation and wants to loosen them up so they can start interacting because that's what they need to do. Right. They need to get over the social pleasantries phase. And so she's like, Jordy, come on, you know me. Let's do this. Yeah. I, I really feel like when the, the – so the next season is the is the episode Galaxy's Child where the real Leah Brahm shows up. Oh, and I really another. feel like – Leah is the best thing in both of these episodes to my yeah. mind. Everything else is <laughs> yeah. stupid. The, uh, the brighter that one, Mar- Maurice Huntley – Oh, mm-hmm. I've got to feel like Maurice saw this episode and said, we really need to <laughs> call this like out. highlight all the bad things about this yeah. episode, because they really just the fact that they do that. I mean, 
just that she sees this all cringy exchange with Jordy. I mean, how mortifying would that be to be Jordy in that situation? Never mind her. Like, oh my gosh. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, th- th- this was. I I remember this one very vividly from the first time I watched the 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 series because it was so embarrassing. Like I had secondary mm-hmm. embarrassment from it because it just was so bad even as a teenager watching it. So, yeah. By the way, Galaxy's Child is the one and I, I and I always get these two confused because of the similarity. I mean, I don't really get them confused, but I link yeah. them together mentally. Right. Not just because of Leah Brahms, but because of the stupid situation the ship is in. Yeah. Um in Galaxy's Child, it's the one where there's a giant space whale that gives birth and the baby space whale ends up suckling the Enterprise. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, Maurice, that that makes it also cringy. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. the the response to the cringy episode was also cringy. Yeah, that we was. Sh- oh. We should also <laughs> mention that Leah Brahms shows up in Lower Decks in the Mining the Mines Mine episode, where they have the <laughs> illusions from the the rocks. The right, yes, and that's right. You know, and again, <laughs> and, and plays on this where she's doing kind of the seductive thing, you know, going on, and it's great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lower Decks loves to call out these these uh these funny bits. Uh, any other notes on this one, Father Corey? Nope. Uh, how about you, Jimmy? Anything else? Nope. Just remember, use chemical thrusters to maneuver. <laughs> That's right. Uh, on dates too, actually, they they're surprisingly handy. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, let's get to our feedback i don't know why i said that it was just weird uh chris sent in an email and uh chris says curious what you and jimmy to to me jimmy and father Corey think about this one personally i've always loved shatner and i never liked his send-off in generations uh now before i go further he's included a link to an article about how william shatner thinks paramount plus is erasing his captain kirk um, he says, uh, however, I think he's projecting his own disappointment that J.J. Abrams didn't bring him back the way he did Nimoy. Uh, Strange New Worlds brought Kirk back at great risk, and I think successfully. So I don't think they're avoiding Kirk. So the article itself, and we'll include a link in the show notes, uh, William Shatner says Paramount is erasing Captain Kirk, blames those threatened by the character. Um, and he highlights a couple of th- uh, aspects of uh some of the advertising that Paramount Plus does for its shows uh, never shows uh, Shatner's Kirk in in the ads and marketing. And there was for Star Trek Day, uh, it showed like all the major characters from all the series, except for TOS, it, it used Spock and Uhura, not Kirk, although you had all the other captains there. So um, what do you all think? Is Do you think Paramount Plus is erasing Shatner's Kirk? They're not erasing the character Captain Kirk because there's still, you know, the J.J. Abrams series movies that they're hoping to do another one of that would feature Captain Kirk. And they've introduced Captain Kirk on Paramount Plus in Strange New Worlds as lieutenant, about to Mm -hmm. be a a commander. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're not erasing the character. But in terms of Shatner and the 60s version of Kirk – he does have a point that at least in these instances, Kirk is not in the advertising, whereas other characters are. Now, Spock was always – back in the day, Kirk and Spock were the two breakout characters. They were the most mm-hmm. popular from the original series, and Spock was always slightly more popular. So if you're going to go with one, if you're not going to have both, it would be Spock. 
Um, and then Uhura, well, she's African-American. And for racial sensitivity reasons, they want to show a diversity of diff- people of different races. And so if you're going to only show two characters from TOS, I can understand that choice. So I could say um, that Shatner may be a little oversensitive here and may be allowing his ma- imagination to, you know, suspect things that may not be the case. On the other hand, (laughs) the people running Star Trek are hyper-woke individuals, and I can easily Mm -hmm. imagine some of them saying, oh, yeah, we don't want this this womanizing, um, macho, non-soy boy dude as a figurehead, so let's let's just not put him in the ads. So he could be exactly right. Well, right. Well, there's a thing too, of course, you know, both Leonard Nimoy and Michelle Nichols have passed away in the last few years. And so this kind of could be a way of, of, you know, in, in memoriam as well. Right. Right. That's true. It, it all, this, the whole conversation on Twitter with, or X with uh, um, Shatner stemmed from someone, you know, asking him about this rumor that uh, Patrick Stewart is working on a movie uh, about Picard and whether we'd get, will we ever get to see Captain, you know, Shatner's Captain Kirk again? And uh, and so that's where the, the conversation all began. But, uh, you know, I, I think that there's an issue there because even I mean, William Shatner is even older than mm-hmm. Patrick Stewart mm-hmm. and he has gained a lot of weight. Yeah, he's, he's not really able to be action hero Kirk anymore. And, and right. even even Patrick Stewart is not able to be action hero Picard anymore, but he's ambulatory to a greater extent than William Shatner is at this point True. in terms of his physical presence. Yeah. Well, Shatner did go to space. I have to give him credit for that. Yep. He did yep. go up into space. But yeah, I mean, he's and, and, 92. And, I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and by, by the way, Don, we need to start calling it the social network formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> Instead That's of doing the, AP the X style Twitter or whatever, you know. <laughs> I refused. I refused to mute, to follow AP style on anything. So that's it. Well, no, they, they do the X, formerly known as Twitter. No, just the the social network, formerly known as Twitter, like you know, Prince. Did. Oh, right, 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 right. Oh, I see what you say. Yes. Uh, so, um, so, uh, Chris, I, I hope that uh, conversation satisfied your uh, your interest in our opinions. That's what they are. Uh, the other feedback we got is on our recent discussion of um, the Voyager episode Nemesis. Uh, truly awesome New Mexico Catholic on YouTube, which is a truly awesome uh, nice. moniker, <laughs> says, uh, thanks for another great episode. You guys literally made my day. Keep up the good work. Um, thank you. And, uh, thank you. And, you know, actually, there was another feedback I got on um, on Facebook. We also had a new listener there who just discovered the show and has been uh, going uh, gangbusters through it and uh, was, was seeing how much he appreciated it. So I really do appreciate uh, the, you folks. Uh, let, let us know how much you're enjoying the hard work that goes into making <laughs> these shows. We, we really do appreciate it. We, we love it. I mean, I love, uh, yep. I, I will speak for myself. I love doing this, uh, but it's also a lot of work and I'm glad oh, that other people it's so it. hard to have to sit down and watch Star Trek unless it's a really bad episode. Then it really is hard to sit down and watch Star Trek. <laughs> there are times when it's work. Let me put it. Th- <laughs> All right. So uh, that said, let's. Oh, um, there's uh, nothing else to say. Well, there is one other thing, which is okay. at the at the end of this, um, the uh, after they gotten out of the trap. Picard turns to Riker and says, Mr. Riker, let's make sure that nobody else falls into this thing. And I'm thinking, okay, they're going to put up a a buoy that's going to like send out a transmitter mm-hmm. warning people about it. 
No. Riker turns to Worf and says, fire a spread of photon torpedoes at the alien ship that was not one of the emitters, that was a fellow victim. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, yeah. and Worf fires like four photon torpedoes, and they explode. And this supposedly ends the threat. Dudes, you said there were hundreds of thousands of these of these devices yep. scattered across all different asteroids. The fact it was a distributed denial of service attack is part of the issue here. <laughs> yeah. You can't just shoot your way out of it. Uh, you could have a mo- Federation minesweeping fleet come in and deal with them maybe, but four, mm-hmm. to- four photon torpedoes against hundreds of thousands of devices scattered on different asteroids is stupid. Yeah. All you did was remove the bait and left the trap set. Yeah. <laughs> yep. for someone to stumble on. So yeah, you pulled the, the cheese off idea. the off the uh, mouse trap. <laughs> right, That's all you did. So you put your big toe in that trap anyway. All right, so uh, that does it for this episode, and we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Perla H, Kimberly M, Aaron L, Justin, and Joseph W. Their generous donations at sqpn.com/give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest, and you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And we'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edited this episode. So that's it from us. We'd love to know what you thought of The Booby Trap. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash starquestmedia. You can send an email to trek at sqpn.com. Visit our Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord, or leave a comment on YouTube like Truly Awesome New Mexico Catholic did, and watch the show at youtube.com slash starquestmedia. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the Deep Space Nine episode, Starship Down. Uh, Not to be confused with Watership Down. Until No rabbits in this one. Until then, Father Cory Stiga, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. It's not Periscope's up. No. <laughs> Starship down. <laughs> and uh, Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you. Live long and prosper. And remember, whenever you're on a date on the holodeck and your <laughs> date decides she doesn't want to continue the date, do not get pouty. That's just <laughs> going to confirm her opinion of ditching you. <laughs> and use chemical thrusters. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember... There's no way the computer can compensate for the human factor, the intuition, the experience, and the wish to stay alive. Except data.